Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Absolute Game of Nerds with your non-geek, non-nerd hosts, JP and Rohan. And today we have a special guest, uh, our best interview yet. We have Mike from Lunch Money Comics here. He uh, he has a great YouTube channel, a family-friendly YouTube channel about collecting comic books. He does a lot more than just collecting comic books. Uh, but we brought him on here to talk about what he's been doing this year, or actually last year is when his show began. And uh, he's really grown it in that short period of time, and I think that's fabulous. And we hope to be like Mike someday. Grow up to be like Mike, right? Like yeah. we used to say back in the in the eighties and nineties. So, uh, Mike, thanks for being on today. We appreciate it. No, thank you for having me, guys. This is really uh, really cool. Thanks yeah, for thanks for coming on, Mike. Yeah, I I'm I'm super stoked that you're on today. I've been watching your show since it came out. Um, oh. Enjoy the fact that you bring your kid into it, you know, on a regular basis. So that's really cool, also. Um, but normally we start off with um, with our guests We're talking about an origin. You know, how did you begin in collecting? You can go back. You got a great story with how you used to collect back as a kid. So, um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I you know, I grew up. I was real little in the in the 80s. You know, and um, I've always been into like science and things like that, history, old things. So I've always been a collector of like you know an, antiquities and, and old stuff like that. But in terms of like comic books and collectibles, when I was about I don't know seven years old, a family friend gave me a, a box of comic books, you know, that they were just getting rid of. And there was probably like, you know, 50, 75 comic books in there. Most of them were DC and most of those were Flash. And um, I like the Flash. I read through the books, but like it didn't really capture my imagination that much. There were some also books that were not okay for a seven-year-old. Um, <laughs> but there were a couple of comic books that were Marvel. And I always gravitated towards those. You know, there was like a Spider-Man book, and I think one X-Men book. Um, but I really took off when uh, in the early 90s. And I'll never forget the sort of story. I used to live next to a playground. And I was over there with my friends, and uh, this kid just came over and started talking to us. You guys like know these kids who just sort of like insert themselves into like a group of people. And uh, I remember he was uh, not annoying, but he was definitely like we weren't really like hanging out with this kid. And everyone eventually left. It was just me and him, and he just wanted to hang out really bad. He was moving away from Massachusetts and just wanted to hang out. So I was like, I guess we'll hang out. And so I wanted to go to a a, a card store. Which is downtown? I like sport cards back at the time. I like. I love. I love going to card stores. <laughs> oh, it was awesome, yeah. and we had a great one in my hometown. So I'm like, I was kind of. I might have been trying to dish the guy. I don't know. I was like, hey, I'm I'm going to this card store, so I can't hang out. I was like, oh, I'll go with you, and we went, and uh, I was buying sport cards, but he saw these Marvel cards. You know the old Marvel cards that came out in the early '90s, like the. Impel I have series stuff? one, two, and three still. I have them right next to me. So he grabbed a pack. He's looking for a hologram. He opened the pack up. Hologram was there. He's like, here, take these cards. And I looked at those cards and my mind was blown. I'm like, hey, these are the characters I saw in those, you know, X-Men books I saw. Started collecting the cards. And that was the beginning of the end. I became a gigantic Marvel fan. And of course, with X-Men having the new series of the Jim Lee and, you know, and then the cartoon coming out, I was hooked. And um, so I really collected in the early 90s when there was that big comic book boom all the foil and all the chrome covers they got me. And I collected off and on all through like the nineties and early two thousands. So, um, and I've always dabbled, like you said, I, I'm an antique collector. I collect tons of other things. Um, you know, old war artifacts, natural history, um, rocks, gems, minerals, you name it. I collect it. So I always go to flea markets and I live in new England and we have them everywhere. I live, you know, a couple towns away is the biggest flea market in the country. So I've been going forever always collecting but comic books were always my guilty pleasure right they were the one thing that like not a lot of my friends knew i collected i didn't have a lot of comic book friends so whenever i was out there at these flea markets i'd always be oh comic books i have to look and i don't know what it was you know if it was the comic boom of 2021 that caused this but when i was going like last year 
I just saw more comic books than I was used to. They were everywhere. And I kept finding like incredible comics. Every time I went, like every time I went out, I'd find something amazing, really cheap. And after about, you know, six weeks of just like having the best luck of my life, I really started concentrating just on comic books. And uh, I was saying, hey, you know, people might like watching this. Um, so I decided to start the channel. And I mean, uh, people have asked me this in the past. I'm just going to answer it before you guys even ask it. So the impetus of me starting it was I wanted to create the YouTube channel I wanted to watch. You know, all of the comic book YouTubers I was watching were about comic book investments, you know, about big ticket items, really expensive books. And here I am, a kid who grew up poor, you know, scrounging my lunch money up to buy comic books, you know, week to week. I just couldn't rationalize in my mind, even as like an adult with, you know, disposable income now, spending a lot of money on like, you know, an entombed plastic comic book. I really liked them. I thought it's a cool concept, but I, there were plenty of other YouTubers out there that were talking about that. And I just want to talk about the hunt, like going to flea markets, finding these things and back issues. They're out there, you know, like these grails are hidden out there. I like finding them. I like talking about the stories that mean a lot to me. So I started it on a whim just for fun. I remember telling my wife, you know, when I had my son on that one of those early videos and she was worried about people seeing, I'm like, no one's going to watch this. No one, no one cares about this. And then like three weeks in, I hit like a little lottery at a, a yard sale down the street and forget it. And it was, it's been a roller coaster in the last four months of just subs and comments. And uh, my collecting's picked up quite a bit and I've just had the ride of my life. So that was a long origin story. I apologize, but that's why I'm no, sitting I, here so with you so guys. I was going to say a few things in regards to that. So one, I often actually think now that like, because when I was growing up in the 90s, at least where I grew up, there were card stores just as prevalent as comic book oh, shops. Yeah. And now I, I know obviously cards are still a big deal, but you don't see, like, I still see, cause they're so comic shops. I don't know of any sport card shops like there used to be anymore. No, I think they sort of died a lot. Like, you know, like, the when collectibles kind of were, yeah, in the nineties. Yeah. And then, you know, then now they're coming back with all the collectibles, but yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and then like too, the I was going to say, um, I as well, like, that's how I started was those Marvel cards, oh, series man. one and series two and then series three came up. Um, yeah, no, that's the same kind of exact. And then the, you know, the X-Men cartoon, Spider-Man cartoon. And yeah, we, me and JP have talked about, like you mentioned the Jim Lee X-Men one, like oh, yeah. it's easily the most influential that oh, and yeah. the Todd McFarlane Spider-Man one, easily the two most influential comic books of our lives. And yeah, so it seems pretty common of all of us kind of from agree. that generation. Yep. Um, and then lastly, I'll say, oh yeah, there you go. There's the hologram. The hologram, nice. X-Men hologram, your favorite, yeah. right? X-Men, uh, yeah. Mike, I JP's no. getting fingerprints all over it. Look at that. Right, oh, yeah. It's already messed up. I yeah. found it like behind. It's all messed up already. So people have asked me like, what's the best thing I own? Like comic book related. Honestly, like the, it's the cards, like those cards, there's nothing in my life that takes me back to my childhood more than going through those cards. I don't know what it is, but there's, I will never get rid of them till the day I die. They're, yeah. I, I love them. I've told this, uh, on my, on my, uh, feed before that, like, like one of my favorite characters, my top three is Wolverine, Silver Surfer and Batman. And my love of Silver Surfer started when I, someone in fourth grade handed me the Silver Surfer Series 2 card. And I remember flipping it over and seeing, like, the Power Razor. I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God, yeah. who is this person? Like, this is the character I want to follow. And it went from there. I think that's actually why I like Nightcrawler, too. Um, I was When I was a kid, I was a small guy. I was very, like, I thought I was kind of like a ninja. I was very quick, acrobatic, you know, <laughs> yeah. climbed a lot. And the idea that, like, same thing, you're on the power level, Spider-Man, Agility 6. Well, of course, it's Spider-Man. Nightcrawler, just as agile as Spider-Man. That blew yeah. my mind. Like this blue guy is so quick and fast, and he teleports. I just couldn't get over the stats on the back, and that's what started my love for Nightcrawler. So and I, I I'll tell you, was... Nightcrawler is a very, in my opinion, underappreciated oh, yeah. character. And especially like when you watch, like again, JP, I've talked about uh, the original X-Men movies. I think are still so good. Like X2, I think is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Still is it that opening scene with um, mm -hmm. Nightcrawler 
in the White House. And like you don't really understand the abilities of Nightcrawler until you watch that scene and you're like, holy yeah. crap, this guy is could be lethal. Like yeah. it is or could be. Which is why I like the uh, Age of Apocalypse version of uh, Nightcrawler, the Kurt Darkholm, where he was raised by Mystique. It's basically Nightcrawler without the morals, his Christian morals. Yeah. And he just flat out just like kills people with the teleportation powers. He just yeah. teleports their head away and that's it. You know, it's it's pretty pretty cool to see. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say, uh, so the channel is a year old? Not even. I started I, I at the end of August 22. That, I feel like to get to 4,000, that is crazy. Yeah, I had 1,000 in like three weeks. And like that was, I, I thought that was crazy. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm happy there. And then it's pretty much been 1,000 per month is about wow. what the rate I'm at. Yeah. Wow. JP, yeah, I, we got work to do, bro. I know. I know. <laughs> but I mean, you, I, I started doing, you know, I got back into it this early last year. And there's really no comic shops around me. There's one of them up, you know, maybe 20 minutes up the road. And, and he, I don't know, I, he and I didn't get along. He didn't really, you know, he had stuff up there for, for pretty big money, long story short. And I wanted to find something else. And someone said, why don't you check antique stores? Mm. And I travel a lot for work. So I stopped at one about an hour and a half south of me. She said, no, there's no comics here. But if you go to this one in this area I've never heard of, you might find something. And there was stacks of them. And I found, no, I wouldn't call it like your, your garage sale win, you know, cause I was gonna mention that you got 800 comic books, for like, what was it? 40 bucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. that, that, and one of them was secret wars eight, right. Is what you got was, right. was in part of that. I mean, I got an iron man. What was it? Iron man 39 and a couple other ones. And I paid nothing like you did five cents a book or 10 cents a book, but just knowing that they were out there just kept me going. And I probably hit every antique store within a hundred mile radius of my house. Right. I went to Long Beach, California, went to one there, took an Uber, cost me more than what the <laughs> comics were to get there and back. Yeah. I hit them all the way down to vacation because I'm on the East Coast like you. So I was down going down to Ocean City and I hit a bunch of them down there and I found, you know, Gambit, uh, what was it, X-Men Annual 14. So just just that drive when you find them. And I and I said to you earlier, you know, I when I couldn't hunt, I liked watching people do the hunt. And Mint Hunter was one of them, but I, I don't think I find any nine eights when I go yeah. out there. They're, you know, it's right. all, they're mostly, I'm just happy to find a copy. Low grade is better right. than no grade. And then I found your show popped up. I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> and you were out in the antique area, you know, summertime, just as I was doing. And, and you, you had it out there. And I just, I just totally enjoyed the show. I mean, I mean, the luckiest thing for me is that, you know, the where I live. I mean, I am in New England. We are big on flea markets. Obviously, it's a very historical area. We have lots of antique shops. Um, and so, like, it's really easy for me to not only hit, we have comic book stores and antique places, but in the summer, the flea markets are crazy. I mean, they're they're everywhere. I can do any search, you know, in New England, small. Every state has several of them. I'm within an hour and a half of all the New England states in New York. So, um, you know, I mean, like, I have I have endless supply of places to hunt. I will kind of joke that all the places I've been talking about local uh, not only have I picked through them, but like people are going constantly. Whenever oh, I go yeah. now, like I'm clearly like I'm giving away all the secrets, but I, I'm yeah, happy that people are doing it, honestly, because I, again, people get so uh, worried about spending money and not finding comic books. They're out there. I'm happy people are looking yeah, at non-traditional I, places. On that note, like I, I was telling, I was telling some, my wife and I were talking about this actually this weekend. We were watching some of the football games. We were watching like the, the Bengals Bills game. We we're talking about like, you know, if you wanted, you could. If you're, you know, let's see, who is it? The Bills are on the road, or the Bills are at home. So it's like, you know, if you're a Bengals fan and it's like, if you wanted to, oh, like, yeah. you theoretically could just make that drive. And we were talking about how, I think I've talked about this with JP, like, seeing, like, I've watched your show. You're in, in doing, like I said, JP's in Pennsylvania. And he talks about how he drives to these antique shops. I'm in the Seattle area. Like, 
for us, like everything seems so far away. Like, right. you know, there is no, like, whereas like I watch your channel and you're like, I'm in Connecticut, I'm in New Hampshire. I'm in like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, there's nah. no way I could do something like that. No, it's, everything's super close out here. It's kind of nice. Um, but I have gone to like New York. Like, I've gone, I've seen Bruins games, like, at, you know, at Islanders games. Uh, uh, but my sister lives actually in Oregon in Portland and um, they have gone up to, uh, Seattle to watch like the uh, the the Whitecaps and stuff the Sounders I should say yeah, they yeah. love soccer so like you can make the drive it's just you're talking six plus hours to go anywhere instead of you know two for me yeah I mean like Port Portland and Raleigh is not that far but like just in terms of like that's like it right, right. whereas you guys have this whole like, like well, you got, like essentially your... the whole eastern so seaboard yeah, right much. like yeah well does does your uh, antique store have a like a map that tells you all the antique stores in the area. Like mine produces a book or a, a pamphlet that I can open up and I can find a hundred antique stores. They may not have comics, but they're antique stores. Right. I mean, like there's just so many of them. I mean, every town has them. So, I mean, I don't even need them really map. I can just search on like Google or just type in antique stores and every town has, but like, yeah, we have books, especially like in the, when Brimfield, Brimfield's the massive antique show. When that comes out, there's lots of cross promotion. So you're aware of every antique place within, you know, a hundred clicks. So, so yeah. my, Mike, you were saying how like, because of your channel now you see people going to the same shops you're going to oh yeah so like you i'm like you have know, four thousand followers so you go to x uh flea market do you find uh -huh. people just like uh -huh. hyenas right behind it just like all right this is the guy he's gonna, uh he's gonna... not like poaching but like the, i bump into people like all the time i was actually shocked i bumped I someone recognized me like the first month of my channel which blew my mind He's like, oh, you're one of the, you're that new YouTuber. I thought that was pretty cool. And I had like a mask on, and he still recognized me. But now, yeah, I mean, now people recognize me a lot locally, and uh, especially like the comic book uh, stores and the shows. You know, like I, I bump into people a lot. So uh, it's fun, though. I mean, it's it's weird to be honest with you guys. It's it's very strange. I'm wicked flattered. I mean, I can't believe the response I've gotten. It's very flattering and humbling. Uh, but I've never quite got over it. That always makes me kind of like jump back for a second. I'm like, you know, or people even weirder is when they look at me, I know they recognize me, but they're trying to be polite. And I just wish they'd just be like, just say it. Just, just say hi. <laughs> it's more weird that you're just looking at me out of yeah. my peripheral. You know? I mean, to be honest, like I get caught off guard nowadays since we started this channel. So like, otherwise my only time I connect with people comic book related was on Instagram, you know, where, you know, you have a handle like mine's back in the game comics. And now I don't know because of the show and, because it's increased our connections to different people um like people will like comment like rohan this and rohan that and i'm like i'm like oh shit like right you know now and i, I love it like i'm all for it. like i have no issue with that it's just it's it's like like you said like getting it's recognized that would be another level of that it's always weird again especially coming from a place where i started this for fun i still do it for fun i'm not doing this for money or anything i'm doing because i'm enjoying it it's weird that it's become this part big of a part of my life um it's been a great ride but it's I, I don't know if i'll ever get over it to be honest with you it's it's always going to be strange considering how many other things i do in my life you know i'm a busy dad of two um it's just for something i always consider sort of a smart a small guilty pleasure in my life it's weird to be like have that be the thing people start knowing me for it's just weird i'll get used to oh, it yes yeah. yeah it's 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 crazy that in just that short period of time that how many people you know recognize you out there and you know as you're yeah. searching you know, you're in a, I guess, a big area given Connecticut, New York. Um, you know, uh, I don't, I, I start to notice the dealers now, but none of them really know my name because on Instagram it's under Nerd Alert, not right. You know, under me. But um, that's, I know that's that's crazy how and much. Once you start putting your face there, like they start seeing it. the weird one is twice this has happened. People recognize me by my voice, 
which I didn't think I had really an iconic voice. I sort of mumble. I have a Boston accent. I'm trying to hide all the time. But a couple of people have like turned the corner, like, you're Lunch Money Comics. I can tell. It's oh, like, nice. from my voice, how weird is it? Maybe they listen to it like as a podcast. You know, they just yeah. they don't watch it. So I don't, maybe that was it. But and it's, yeah, I mean, I oftentimes will like have it on the like, YouTube, but like it'll, I'll be driving. So it'll just be like right. on the side thing and I'll, I yep. will watch, but I'll, I'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you don't do a podcast, right? You just have yours is YouTube that doesn't download the pod. Right, exactly. Um, you know, maybe I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Same thing. Like I, people have asked me if I do like live videos. Um, I, when I figure out how to do it, and I actually can cover up some time. But like I mentioned in a, a recent video, um, I usually do all my recording like late at night, like after the family's in bed. So you know, if I did live stuff, I'd have to like carve out like you know dinner time or whatever. It's it's just difficult for me. So for right yeah, now, yeah. I just record and post is easy. I'm always like four or five videos out too. It's the only way I can do it. You know, I'll do like yeah. three or four antique places, flea markets in a weekend, and then sort of schedule them all out just to make it easier on me with my schedule. Yeah. yeah and I, I saw the most recent ones. Uh, you went to a, there's a big sale at a comic book store near yeah, you, I right? And uh, <laughs> the Christmas one. Yeah. So you found all that stuff for, for a good price. The guy was, and that's probably helping you out too that they know you plus you're going to their store right and then yeah it's a little bit of help. promotion certainly yeah because yeah, they know like you know and that guy you know nishan up in his nerd comics in greenfield he's a great guy and a lot of like local vendors also go there everyone seems to be like friends like i know barbershop that's what i love about it you know like the old barbershop where everyone like knows each other that's what it kind of feels like at some of these local comic book stores out here and um yeah so he's he's a really good guy in general but as you know as i've mentioned him a couple times even the first time i mentioned him we did a, a giveaway he was getting phone calls from all over the country asking if he ships. He had people driving up from New York, you know, or Vermont coming down, you know, driving hours just to check out the store because I mentioned it. So I think he was very appreciative. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Heck yeah. And I like, uh-huh. I, I like promoting this stuff too, these small stores. Like, I, it's worth it. You know, I think it's worth it for them. And I don't need anything from them. I just want to mention them and get some people in there for them. I think it's, you know, it's, it's tough to have a small business these days. Any help I can provide, I'm happy to. Totally, totally. Yeah, I, I was going to say kind of circling back in general to the channel, like, I really, what I really appreciate about, like, like you said, like everyone else talks about for the most part investment. And don't get me wrong, like I love it. I watch a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I'm saying. It's like it's so like everyone's talking about like how you can do this and with this and the money you buy. And like that's kind of how JP and I started. Right? It was just like someone was like, I kind of just want to talk about comic books. Like right. maybe one episode is about investment. Maybe one day is about like we're we're planning to do it. our next episode is going to be like our favorite covers from each era. Right. And it's just like, we just want to talk about comic books. And so like, I I enjoy your channel for the fact that like, it's just comic books. It's like, this is what I found today. This is what I found today. Bam, bam, bam. I like this book. I'm a fan of the X-Men. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want to say it was a, a pushback against those guys. I watch those guys too. I, I exactly, love it. It's yeah, fascinating. That's, that's by no means like a <laughs> no. by no means a criticism. I think and, I, and I'm certainly cognizant of what these are worth and things yeah. like that. And there's an exit strategy for when I retire, sure. But you know, my big <laughs> thing is like I said, I started the channel I wanted to watch. And the one the big takeaway I had is I was watching all these guys and I really like them and respect them, but I always felt like they were catering to like the top ten percent of comic book buyers. Like here I am, a kid who grew up really poor, scrounging nickels and dimes to buy comic books, and even as an adult, I'm trying to be frugal. I didn't want to see like when someone says, Oh, look at this book's a deal at two grand. Most comic book buyers, like dads like me, don't spend that kind of money and wouldn't want to, even if they had it. You know, like you can collect comic books much cheaper and enjoy them. And again, I'm cognizant of it, but it's not something I need to talk about because other guys have this covered way better than I ever would. So that's where that comes back. You know, I just don't want anything I'm pushing back against that. I get it. I'm into it too, but it's just not something I, I'm interested in talking about on my channel, you know? Yeah. So what would you say your um you know, when you come, when your collection itself, do you have any goals of things that you're trying to get? You know, like one of the things I started doing by 
the antiques and flea market was to find stuff with margin, right? I found a good deal and I could flip it because if it's in front of me, like, I don't know if you ever heard of the bone series oh, yeah. um, by Jeff Smith. So I found, or Jeff Smith, I found one and two. One was a um, second print. Number two was a first print. So I found that in the wild. I like to call it in the wild. And I don't really care for that book, but I know somebody does. Right. So got it for a good price. So I wanted to flip it. Right. To get something better. So, yeah, I mean, there is an element of that. I feel like it was more. I was doing that more before. Like, again, I, I deal with antiques a lot. So I'm always have an eye for that sort of stuff. And it used to be if it was a good deal. I always bought it. And for a long time, honestly, because of the channel, I would buy things. Even if I didn't necessarily want it, if it was good to talk about, I would buy it. And I've been trying to cut back on that, trying to get books that I only want for my personal collection. Now, I'm not immune to that. If I find a good deal, obviously, I'm going to get the, I'm going to buy it. And I always keep in mind, can I you know, make money off it? But in general, I've been trying to really sort of curate what I'm into. And mostly so then, for me, it's actually, Yeah. So I was going to say, so then what is kind of your goal with the collection in terms of like, do you just want like a big collection? Do you want like all the X-Men? Do you want to click the X-Men run? Or do you want to like use these books to find in antique stores and like pile a bunch together and then boom, X-Men 1 comes your way? Uh, yeah, sort of that. So for my, my big ultimate goal is to have all the X-Men. You know, like right now I'm doing, you know, Chris Claremont, like, you know, giant size X-Men all the way up to like 300 or so. Um, and some of the other X books like New Mutants and things like that. So I'd love to have all of those filled in. Then I'll start going back to like X-Men 1 would be like my ultimate grail, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it's sort of like I get all these books, I collect, start getting some bigger books, and then eventually, you know, trade up, sell up till I just have the X-Men books I want. I mean, ideally, I have a lot of comic books back here, and uh, they're great. I love looking at them, but there is something to be said about quality over quantity. There is a certain point where it's much easier just to have one big book that you have in your collection that you're proud of that you ever could sell, like when you retire or whatnot, than have 45 long boxes of smaller books right. you know those are just harder to move so i mean my ultimate goal is just to have the big books i've always wanted since i was a kid have all the x-men books and i think i'd be i could die happy if the, that was my end goal but in the meantime yeah buying small finding things cheap uh trying to find good deals where they could be had filling in just my general love of marvel comics that's uh my midterm goal yeah so, so we had i was gonna say Go ahead, so we had a guy errol on a few weeks ago and he's his quest was 20 years he got him to superman number one and one of the things he says is like you don't need so many he's like pick a character collect right. that character so is that for you is the x-men then pretty much yeah i I've, again i've i've dabbled in so many other ones i'm happy to have them but as soon as i have it i say you know for the price of these three books i really like i could have got something i really wanted instead i could have got that grail you have that moment all the time like these are great but i'd rather have the bigger yeah, ones. Totally. so um so yeah that's probably my ultimate goal is have an x-men one i guess if i was to pick an end goal sure what would you say your your let's say your top five books that you'd that you'd want to have and you and the ones that you any ones you have now because i know you have x-men giants has x-men one already yeah so uh, and i have a funny story with that if you guys want to hear it so uh giant size x-men number one was my grail book when i was a kid because of nightcrawler nightcrawler is my favorite um so i always wanted that book and i've had several moments in my life where i could have had it and passed i'll never forget i just got married uh, i had like 300 bucks from like you know um you know my, my birthday or christmas you know like i had 300 eating a hole in my pocket and i uh a local comic book store had Giant Size X-Men number one. I saw that the other day on your on your channel. Jealous. I saw a Giant Size X-Men number one, and I had a choice. I could buy Giant Size X-Men number one for $300 in, like, mid-grade, probably a 4.5, or a new Dang. telescope. And I'm a huge... <laughs> I'm a huge astronomy fan, cosmology fan, physics fan, and of course, I chose the giant telescope. It's a great telescope, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I've got a lot of mileage out of it, but I go back and I kick myself when I think about it. How long goes so, that again? 
20 years ago probably okay you yeah, know was, yeah, if that um maybe a little yeah you could you could now sell that gsx oh. one and get a uh, hey, lower grade hey, one say and the telescope i could go i could have <laughs> gone to space probably right yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so yeah so uh so for years i've been looking at that and again same thing that happened to a lot of people during COVID. um i was we actually put an addition on the house and i was cleaning through all of my collections and i was looking at a lot of stuff i had when i was younger and i realized i only want to hold on to the comic books and I decided to sell a lot of other stuff i sold some sport cards some uh, ccg cards had the money i put aside a good chunk of, of money just to buy a gsx one and i wanted a mid-grade i want a four five a five or six i had the money set aside for it and then i was uh on vacation up in maine my sister and her fiance have a place up in maine middle of the woods on a lake and i had a couple of reminders like an ebay you know like that a book is coming up i wanted to buy mid-grade ones and uh, there was one that was lower grade that I wanted. It was a 3.5, but it presented really nice. And it was really low. It was at like $1,300. So I set a reminder on my phone. Alert goes off. I run back to the cabin. And I'm trying to bid on it. And I finally put a bid of like $1,800. And it's just spinning, spinning, spinning. In middle, middle of the woods. And then it finally refreshes. And it had sold for like $1,700. And I was so it didn't register my thing. And I was like, oh. on, I was, like on tilt, like at like a casino. I immediately <laughs> started looking for like other things. And I just happened at that moment, looked on, um, uh, like, I think it was Facebook. Yeah, it was like a Facebook, like, comic, you know, buying thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, mere hours before, someone had posted a graded 2.5 X-Men. I think they had, like, two grand on it. And they had just posted it, and they were in Rhode Island. So on a whim, I was angry. I just texted, like, hey, would you take, like, 1700 bucks for this? I'll pay you cash today. <laughs> and then, you know, we're driving back to Massachusetts, to Western Mass. Uh, and right when I dropped the kids off and I unload the car, after driving for, like, three hours... Um, the message pops up. If you can meet me in Rhode Island in like an hour and a half before this mall closes, it's yours. Jump in the car. Sorry, honey, I got to go. Jump in the car, race there. And again, it was a lower grade than I wanted. It's a 2.5 white pages, but I got, I fell into my lap and I got it much cheaper. So yeah, I still want a better graded one, but I, I, I satiated my appetite momentarily by getting, I can say I got my grail, but immediately you guys know how it is. You start looking for the better book, yeah. <laughs> you know, can I, can I get a five or a six, you know, so I'm starting to eyeball it already. Yeah. Is that yeah, numero uno a... in the collection? Uh, num uh, probably. Yeah, it has to be just from a personal standpoint. Absolutely. It is financially. Yeah. Maybe it might be financially too. It's, it's around there. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, mine is I, but that and my FF 48 are my two, two top oh, way up on my list. Yeah. Are you you? I don't know if you saw our video on the hunt for 181. Is that something you're interested in at all? Yes, very much so. Same thing. I had an opportunity to buy it for 400 bucks about 20 years ago. Didn't happen. Um, you know what's funny? I'm one of those guys too. Like first appearances, uh, I like it. Their actual first appearance. So like 180 appeals to me too. I, 180 might be like my compromise. But yeah, so never mind the X Men one. I collect first appearances of all the X Men. That's my ultimate goal. The whole run, but I want all of the first appearance of the X Men, so I need to have 181. And uh, yeah, it that's I'll bridge my way up to X Men number one by getting that one first, I suppose. So that's on the it's on the radar. It's just so overpriced, you know. It's such a hot comic book commodity. It's not a rare book, but everyone wants it. So it's one of those yeah. books I feel like I'm never going to get a good deal. It's never going to come back down. It's just going to keep climbing. So well, that we'll that's what was part of the conversation with Errol about Superman one, as he was big on you're going to overpay if you want it bad enough in some cases, and you just got to do it. I, I can't right. bring myself to spend that on the on the on the comic. I don't know. It it seems like it takes so long to sell all the individual pieces unless you have a bunch of three hundred dollar books that right. you know, like I got a bunch of stuff on eBay now and I think I sold on a hundred dollars worth of stuff and I'll be I'll be like, you know, paddling across the Lake Erie in order to get uh, get the other side and 
and right. get Hulk 181. So it just seems like either you got to bite the bullet and buy it and and feel that it's going to appreciate or not. Right. And if I actually if you actually do the math and figure out like how much you spend on comic books in general, like if I was to add it up, if I just don't buy comic books for a while, like yeah, you just save up the money the old fashioned way. You can do it. And like I said, I have a I have a separate account that I use just for antique collecting and comic books. Yeah, eventually that'll grow, and maybe I'll just pull the trigger someday. But uh, yeah, you know, I have too much fun buying other stuff. To... Well, that's what I mean. And then you're out in the, in the hunt, and you find something. You're like, oh, look at this. Like, right. you found that Superman that it was new oh, core yeah. or no core, which uh, was really interesting. Entain, I was just yeah. out uh, the other day in um, out by uh, near Buffalo, and I was in an antique store looking around for maybe old oil and gas advertisements, mm. see if it was in there, because I never would have thought that that had some value but you know you got yeah. a couple hundred bucks for it right and it, oh yeah and it's cool because he, i just had to ask i mean you start you know again there's tons of yard sales i don't know what you guys call them tag sales garage sales what do you guys yard call sale, them garage, yep garage yeah sales, so yeah. we call i call them yard, yard sales the boston accent yeah so we go i go to them all the time and because I, I like antiques you never know what you can find but my general rule is like if you see something you kind of like just to ask because a lot of times people have other stuff like inside they're not willing to sell so this guy had tons of like funko pop and like action figures and, uh, but he also like he had sport cards. He had like gold and silver things. So I just asked, you know, like, hey, give me comic books. He's like, no, but I have this. And uh, he sold it to me for ten bucks. And I just thought Wait, it was cool. What is it? Superman. What is it? It was a it was a pamphlet for a Kanoko Entain gasoline from the early 1940s, but it had Superman on the back. And it was just a brochure. It was like a fake interview between like a a fake reporter and like a, a scientist saying, oh, this is this is the best gasoline to put in your car. But evidently, Kanoko had a deal with you know, like DC Comics or all those licensed heroes back then to appear on their oil and gas merchandise. So, you know, this, you can find them with like Batman or Superman, but this brochure was from like early forties like 1941 or two. So you're talking Superman's only like four or five years old. And the more I looked into it, I couldn't find an exact example of it, but everyone I showed it to was like, yeah, I mean, that's about as early as Superman you can get and not have it be in, in a comic book. So, um, yeah, I got it for 10 bucks and, um, I ended up selling it for two fifty, I think uh, a nice. quick flip on it. So, uh, you know, what I liked about it was that, it wasn't just a comic book related thing. As an antique collector, I thought it was fascinating. I actually got three brochures. The other two were purely gas and oil, and I have them with my antiques. They're just neat to see, like, that period of time, you know, in the 40s or 50s, you know, the, the cool things they did with, like, you know, looking at the old cars and the oil and stuff they put into them. And uh, I just thought it was interesting. And you had the bonus aspect of having Superman on it. It was just, like, a perfect collectible for me. So just a cool find in general. I kind of wish I still had it, honestly. Um, it's just unique. You, you don't find it again. So Yeah, that's, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah, and I, I know you said one of your goals for 2023 is to collect more DC, correct? So I, I wore yeah. my Superman shirt for that reason. Oh, you know, figuring more, I don't more even DC. have a DC T-shirt. I'm, I'm, that's <laughs> awful. Yeah, I got to get yeah. one. I think all three of us are more. I mean, besides Batman, most of us are Marvel at, at, yeah. at you know, at, yeah, right, at the core of it, and and that's the majority of my collection. But I think DC is going to change this year, and uh, with with James Gunn, so there might be some, uh, you know, some of the ones that. Uh, you find maybe worth some more here as, as we go on but um yeah i mean i'm looking forward to it. i mean there's so many times like is i have a pretty good memory for things i'm pretty knowledgeable about you know the comic books i like but you know there's a lot of times i'm going through boxes of dc stuff i'm like i don't know what's in here is worth money like there might be some keys i'm just completely missing and that kind of bugs me bugs me like i wish i i was more educated on that um but you know i don't dislike dc you know this like i said at the first comic books i ever got were dc i've always liked the flash green lantern is really cool obviously batman I always I used to joke. I used to kind of knock DC. I used to say Batman was the best superhero, but Marvel's clearly better than DC. That was more of a knock to the rest of DC. Like he brings Batman right. down. Um, <laughs> but like, I do like it. And honestly, I've been reading and I definitely enjoy it, especially like it when you, there's a writer or an artist that I know from Marvel comics that I can read in DC. It's just, it's neat. It's refreshing. You know, you see them. I still like their style. 
but it's in it, a completely different. It is very setting. interesting to me, and I would be interested to like learn the like stories of each about how many artists and or writers worked for both and had oh, yeah. you know a back and forth of some kind, right? Like, All there's not an artist that I know that did it that that I can name, right? I don't obviously don't know any of the current modern ones. I'm not a big modern guy, but like, I mean, you think about it, right? with the exception of like Stan Lee. I mean, Jack Kirby went, worked for both. Neil Adams worked for both, right? Like, it's kind of, it's crazy. Like, Yeah, how... I think it's 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 actually probably more likely. You'd find more people who went both ways than one or the other. Like, Chris Claremont was pretty exclusive Marvel. Yeah. Um, Alan Moore was pretty much just DC. Um, but everybody else, yeah, everybody else, they were all over the place. But that's yeah, whether they can find work at, probably. You know, yeah. it was all about getting the work that's at that it. time. Yeah. Right. And I think, though, JP and I talked about this on a, another episode that, you know, we have that love for Marvel. And I think a lot of the reason why people are in that boat is just that a DC and obviously like Batman doesn't necessarily fit this bill. Maybe this is why Batman is so popular. It's like DC is kind of like this battle of God level you got it. heroes and villains, right? What's great about Marvel is they have those level tier people, but the characters you love also have like, like Spider-Man, you went through high school and like had to deal with this. And like, you can relate to that so much more. And I think that's why so much more people that, gravitate towards those that's characters. That's exactly it. And that's what set Marvel apart, I think, in the 60s with Stan Lee writing. You know, the characters are relatable. Spider-Man is a kid with real problems. And he also has superpowers, which is kind of cool, which also has its own set of problems. The mutants, the X-Men, are outcasts. You know, as a, a really nerdy kid when I was little, I really related to the X-Men because they were outcasts. But they were powerful in their own right. You know, people took them for granted. I think there's that relatability. And I, what I think is interesting about DC specifically is that People always say, like, they're not relatable. You're right. Superman seems like a god, you know, almost like a Christ figure that is unrelatable. But that's not necessarily true. That's just the way people have turned him into in recent years. The most relatable thing about him is that he's Clark Kent. He was raised yeah. in Kansas by a mom and a dad. You know, there was that aspect I think people related to a long time ago that over the years he's become sort of this god figure. It's hard to relate to him. And Bruce yeah, Wayne, even think... though he's a human, like Bruce Wayne, I, sorry, I do not relate to a vigilante billionaire. I yeah, don't. Right. Like, I have nothing in common with I, Batman yeah, at I all. more relate I, to uh, I Punisher think... than I do P Batman, I tell you right. that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, I, say, I mean, of DC, like, it's Batman and Superman for me. And I, and I grew up on Batman and Superman just as much as I did X-Men and stuff, mm -hmm. so I love them. I, I always tell people, like, I think Superman gets a bit of a bad rap because people are always like, oh, he's just too powerful. He can do everything. And I'm just like, you got to go, you got to think. He was the first superhero, right? right? And so, like, you got to imagine when you came up with the concept of superheroes, like, well, what can he do? Everything. Like right. that's what makes him a superhero, right? So it's like right. I gotta you gotta cut him some slack for that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then over the years, like that's why they've always had so many like Kryptonite came about. Like they had to cut it back a little bit to make some stakes, some real stakes, yeah. you know. And I think they kind of did that. I was joking in a recent video. I had all these old bronze silver age books, uh DC books, and like in every other book, Superman's like tied up in some way. Like and he gets tied up in every single book. There's something to foil him because he's just an immediate solution to any problem they would have. Um, they kind of had to write that in, but like, you know, I feel like all they got to do is really appeal to his humanity instead of his sort of alienness. And I think there's the relatability they need. You don't always need to come up with a gimmick to make yeah. him weaker. Well, it's the same thing uh, in the, well, I guess with Batman that he never would use a gun and find a way to defeat everybody without a gun. I think, I think early on he might've used some guns, but no, as it, early, early detective mm -hmm. comics, he used a gun. But then there was this time frame I think, that he wasn't supposed to use the gun. And same with uh, everyone got so mad at the Henry Cavill um, Man of Steel whenever he killed Zod. And Superman's not supposed to kill anybody. And right. he broke his neck and people, you know, had a conniption over that. And I like, I thought it was a cool scene. Hey, he was trying to save somebody. But Christopher um, Reeves yeah. killed Zod in Superman 2. 
Well, you don't know if they died. They just fell down that hole. Yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 like, anyway. yeah. like, like the emperor. He the emperor right, in yeah. Star Wars. He, he came, came back. Yeah. And then threw him down a pit. I'm pretty sure they died. And yeah. I, and speaking of that, you know, I wasn't collecting in the 70s. I mean, that was roughly when I was born. I was more in the collecting in the late 80s. But that Superman movie did it for me. I mean, and Superman 2. Uh, mm-hmm. Superman 1 was the scene with the, the helicopter falling yeah. and saving Lois Lane. And then whenever he got his powers back, and Superman two, and 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 uh, you know foiled them all, and then broke Zod's hand, and then yeah, lifted yeah, him up and seat, threw yeah. him. Yeah. I mean yeah. that was like I was like oh I was like man that's awesome. No, number and again, three and four didn't do it for you. The those movies are terrible. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I did like three though. I that yeah. robot. Oh, oh that scared the crap out of me yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. I hated that part. As oh, a my kid, God. three and four you thought were pretty awesome. I'm sure. Right? Oh yeah. Like, because Except for the robot, the robot yeah, man. I still have nightmares about. In, oh. When she got pulled in, I was like, "Oh my god!" And I, yeah, was like, yeah, but, I didn't like that at all. But the Richard Donner, I mean, they still hold water. If you watch those Superman one and two, like they're still incredible superhero oh, movies. Yeah. And I mean, I hate to say it, but like, what elevates that, of course, is the score. I mean, I'm a musician, so you got you know you get the Williams score there, one of the best movie scores of all time. It's just the best superhero theme of all time. And you can hear that anytime, any place, and it immediately brings you back to that time. Just. Great movie, perfect score, just serendipitous and so many factors that came together. Awesome yeah. movie, it'll last forever. Yep. I, I I brought I brought this up several times. Already. Like because of our episode that we did with Errol on his quest for Superman one, I was like, I gotta rewatch these movies. And they're on HBO right. Max if you have that app. And so I watched Superman one and two in the last three weeks. Yeah, and you're exactly right. They absolutely are still just great superhero and, films. And you gotta remember too, like when that first movie came out, like the special effects of Superman flying. Like people hadn't seen that. We take it so for granted now with like computer graphics. Like that was like amazing. I mean, all the all the the tags for all like the movie posters was like you will believe a man can fly because people weren't used to seeing good special effects of someone soaring through the sky, and that was revolutionary. It blew people away. Yeah, so again, we take it for granted now, but it was pretty uh, pretty uh, amazing at the time. Yeah, that was. I mean, DC had the best movies if you go back to it. I mean, I I didn't. I didn't really collect Superman, but I loved the movie and Batman. I didn't really collect, but that first Batman movie with Michael Keaton. And again, Jack Nicholas or Jack Nicholson, I always can never Jack remember. Nicholson. Not the golfer. Nicholson, not the golfer. I know. I always, for whatever reason, I can never get the two done in my yeah. head. I got to think of some uh, something in my head to remind me the difference between the two. But that was just a great movie overall, even the second one. So you had a good string of DC movies um, over that time frame and nothing for Marvel. But Marvel was still more popular when it came to collecting. I mean, right. Black Black Superman was the thing I saw. I'm like, why is he in the black suit? And that was the first one I grabbed. I didn't grab the Superman from the movie, but you I mean grabbed Black Spider Man. Black Spider Man, right? So he had the black symbiote suit, and I was like, he's supposed to be red and blue. What's that? And I pulled it off the shelf at 7-Eleven, and that was the first comic I showed you um, that I had collected was that Amazing Spider Man 269. And just because of I knew him being different, and it just intrigued me. But I didn't grab the Superman. I don't have old Superman or Batman books. I mean, really, it was all Spider-Man. And and that was my other question I was going to ask you, Mike, is behind your your wall, your wall of comics, not what's behind there, but behind you, <laughs> are all those your books as a kid or those ones that you've gotten recently? Uh, almost all the ones on the wall are ones I've had since I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, that lower one yeah, here, there's some monster ones here, and there's some recent ones over here. I've talked about my channel. I think even when I, in my videos, yeah, I cut off the top row. But most of those are ones I had as a kid, yeah. And, like, because I don't want to put, like, really nice books up there. I'm just kind of worried they're going to get damaged. So I just put fun ones up there that I like. Now, would you sell those or those uh, have meaning because you had them as a kid? I mean some of them i mean i actually so i actually i might make a video on this someday i actually have like my long box i had as a kid 
and I haven't really touched it. I've taken a few books out here and there. I ended up trading a few, but in general, they're the same books. So the same reason, like the Marvel cards, I love looking back and having all the nostalgia feels. I like going through that box and remembering, oh man, I remember when I got this. And they're like, there's lots of gimmicky, bad 90s comics in there. Um, But a lot of those, yeah, I mean, they're not worth anything. So it's not really, they're not worth anything financially. So they're not worth selling. How about that? So I have nothing in there that it's worth more money than what it means to me personally. So probably not. And and I I have my short box and I had I had a short box and I had sold a couple books like Spider-Man ASM 298 99 300 I sold them a couple years back kind of like you said early on in COVID you sold some things and when I got back into it last year I said I got to get those back I should have never sold them now I play, paid like three times what I right. sold them for um, but I had to get them back and that short box what's behind me all the McFarlands those are from when I was a kid you know from my collecting mm-hmm. days and you know, Rowan and I talk. Rowan and I talk about this getting rid of the. He he doesn't have his books from when he was a kid, so no. he doesn't have any sentimental value to the ones like you and I might have. But I have a Hulk three forty. I'll, I'll probably I wouldn't sell even if I get Incredible Hulk one eighty one. I still want to have that McFarlane right. book. You know, because that's the one I got. I got it graded, and you know, I just sold my three forty this week. I put towards the one eighty one. Yeah, it brought yeah. a tear to my eye. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think there's, I have some similar situations to that, but I mean, um, I mean, I've said this on my channel a million times too. Like the, you know, the sentimental value. Like if people are collecting. Like they always ask me what to collect. Collect what you like, because even if it's not worth anything financially, it's worth something to you. And you know, it's, it's kind of cliche, but you'll never be poor, right? If you have things that you actually enjoy. Um, I do have some regrets. I did uh, same thing. I, I never do this, but I mentioned all those comic books I got when I was a kid, mostly DC. A lot of those I traded. I got a bunch of cool Marvel books for it. Um, but there was stuff in there I didn't really think it was worth that much money. I had like a Firestorm number one, a Power Girl number one. I had a whole bunch of uh, old Batman. They weren't necessarily like like keys, but they were all from the 60s and 70s, which are collectible. And in retrospect, when I start, like now that I'm getting back into DC, and I'm actually looking at it and seeing how my collection's grown. The stuff I got, probably not as rare as the stuff I gave away. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to recreate that because it was an original, originally part of my old set that was in my childhood long box. There's a missing piece now. You know, I feel like going back, I'm like, I don't have those ones. So yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about that. I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people hold on to that sentimental value of these collectibles. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like when it comes to trading and things like that, because I've been doing a lot of trading to kind of level up my collection, Mm -hmm. I think. And, you know, when you see, like we were talking about earlier, it's like you may see stuff that it's not your cup of tea, but like, you know, you got good margin on it, as JP would say, and you can know you can flip that up. I think a good rule though, too, is like when you're trading, it's like, if you can't trade it, be sure that's something you'd be happy to keep. Like I was trying to you know, make some trades earlier and some guy offered me these, and he's like, oh, these are worth like, these go for a thousand dollars or whatever. And I was like, I don't know them. And I don't know. Therefore, anyone else like, yeah. yeah, And it's like, I, yeah, I showed them to you and I'm like, yeah. So like, if I get stuck with them, like these aren't book, I'd rather just keep the one that I'm trying to trade than this one. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple of regrets. I did a lot. I love trading. It's fun. Um, and I've, I've done a lot of trades this year and, um, I don't regret many of them. Like, you know, like usually it's something that you want. There's a couple I've second guessed, you know, in the future, but like I said, if you could just look at the book you have, don't worry about what you gave away. Just do you enjoy what you have? And I think that's a good way to, you can't really look back. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I talked to, um, I don't know if you guys follow the 9.9 newsstand. Uh, it's a feed on Instagram, another comic book one. And he and I talk often. And he, and he said something to me last week because he he's he's big into like getting something and then moving on to the next. And like he'll get something. He's like, he said, I love chasing things. And then I love selling them and moving on. And 
So like I was talking about, I was like, what, what is, you know, what is forever PC to you? And, and he said, he's like, you know, I don't really consider anything forever PC. It's all just part of the journey. And he's like, if I've had it, it's still kind of a part of my collection. I just have used it to kind of along my journey. And, and a lot of that resonated with me. Like, I totally get that. Like, obviously I'm going to have books like my FF48, my GSX-1. They're not going anywhere. Um, but like, for the most part, like, I totally agree. Like, like I said, I sold that Hulk 340. I love that book, but like, I don't miss it. Like, cause especially right. when I know that I'm using it toward my journey to 181. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially in a case like that, like, again, once, if you can look at what you got and be happy with it, I think, think you're okay. Um, same, like you're actually a great example on the journey. This is when a couple of books I traded away. I was kind of mad I did it, but I almost feel like I can say, people have always asked me, people have asked me multiple times. I didn't get it at first. They always say, have you owned this book before? Like when I bought that GSX one, have you owned a GSX one before? I'm like, no, but there are books that I can go back and time. Like I, you know, I, I did own that. There was a moment in time. I was pretty happy having that book. I'm happy to have said I owned it. You know, like that was, it's kind of a cool way of looking at it. It's part of your journey, right? It's part of your history. Yeah. You don't need to have it on person to know that you enjoyed it at a point in time. Now I have a buddy who has every car he ever owned still. Wow. Okay. He's an attorney, so he can kind of do that, but he lives in different States. So I said, do you still have the car that we used to, and it used to, I used to drive and he used to drive in college. He's like, yeah, I still have that eclipse. I'm like, where's it at? He said, oh, it's in Pittsburgh and he's on the other side of the country. Right. And I'm like, what do you do with it? And he's like, that's in a garage. But he, that's his thing to keep all his cars. And, you know, there's some things that, you know, you had it like I had a Trans Am. I don't miss it. But I guess some days when you want to drive really fast, I wish I still did. And other days I'm happy to have a fuel you know, economy car. I, I, you know what I mean? Like it's I don't feel a need to either. Once you got rid of it, it's gone. Right. And if you right. got decided at the time and if you want to get it back, I guess if they're not as rare, like Rohan says, you can get them back anytime, like that right. 340. But. You know, there is some sentimental value to some things that just isn't worth trading and other things. I mean, I, I had some pretty crappy cars growing up, so I, I'm happy to yeah. be gone. I'm happy to get rid of some of those. They were into yeah. a junkyard. They got crushed, and I have no yeah. I have no attachment whatsoever. Thank you. Yeah, the Pontiac QS, you know, <laughs> right. I, was, I was happy to get rid of that yeah, car. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. His car, none of them were that. One of them was a Buick, like a LeSabre, and he still, I'm like, well, you still have that car? Wow. We, like, painted that with a, Why? With a roller. I know. But it right. just sentimental value to him, and I'm like, I don't get that. Whereas, you know, there's some, I have, I have GI Joe that I recently sold and I was okay with selling those, even though I played with them as a kid, somebody else, I got some good prices for them and I was going to turn them into books and the comics I wanted. So yeah. I was okay doing that. I don't miss them, but some of the comics I sold, I do miss. Hence the ASM 300. I went and bought back. And some of them, I, I lately I've been keeping track of my trades just to go back and say that, that I make a good trade right. as the market has moved. Just right. for my own head, because I'm like, I want to either say yes or oh, what an idiot. Why did you sell that? You know, you know I, I think, too, though, like when it comes to that, like you, you can't be so black and white on it in the sense that, like, I can't believe I traded this for this. Well, this is worth this now. This, I think it's like you're not going to make a positive, we'll say, profit on every book in terms of like trading or selling. Because of, you know, based on like when you bought it versus what, like, for instance, like you and I got in, back in the comic books and, and, you know, Mike, your channel started in 2022, right? We're in still that peak, right? Like any book you bought then is, is below currently, right? right. And so, and you still might be able to make some money, but like, what you got to think about it is, did the movement I made on that book make me happier? And if the answer is yes, then it's a good trade. I mean, there's always going to be ups and downs. That's the, that's the whole thing with collectibles. So, I mean, it's it's hard to, like, if you watch it all the time, you're not going to be happy. Same thing with people who are, like, or who are into stocks. You know, I used to 
in another life, I worked for a stock brokerage firm for three years, but there are people who just stare at their computer and watch those stocks go up and down and have like anxiety about what's going on constantly. It's like, be in it for the long haul, right? If, unless yeah. you're a day trader, like you got to look at the big picture of it. You know, what are you, are you happy with your collection at the end of your whole collecting life, I guess, you know, and the overall profit. It's hard to, for me to watch that go up and down because you're right, you'll get, I'll get hung up on it. And I'll be like second guessing every decision I ever made. So yeah, you said the the 20 years ago, buying the books that you said you could have bought. I mean, think what they'd be worth today, you know, and, and that's part of the reason what's the Hulk 340 I have was maybe 30 bucks I spent for it. Maybe it's worth 300. I mean, that's a pretty good re return, mm -hmm. but it's not $300 now worth 10,000, right, on the Hulk 181. So, um, you know, it's all relative, but should have, could have, would have bought it then. And I'm the same way. We I still have my Wizard magazine seeing what that 181 and amazing spider-man 129 was actually priced at and what i could have bought it for but that was big money for me back then yeah yeah and i wasn't going to spend that on a comic and you know i wish that's i did but yeah that's the thing i tell myself even when i go back like 20 years and i talk about that gsx one i could have got for 300 dollars. even at the time being an adult like being married i remember thinking at the time like that was kind of a bit we you know we had just bought a, a condo and we had just got married like 300 dollars was kind of a lot of money to put into a comic book at the time now it's like, you know, not that I'm like a wealthy person by any means, but now just because of inflation and the fact that I have a, a, a job and I'm older and I have a bigger collection, I wouldn't bat an eyelash at that now. You know, it's funny how just like time changes, you get older, as does the economy. So it's even more difficult, like for if you're doing apples and oranges, looking back at time, I'd be like, oh, it was only $300, but it was probably the equivalent of like twelve, fifteen hundred $1,500 for me back then, you know? Yeah. And, and what the, I think, just like in the stock market, time is what is your biggest friend, not I mean, buying it like real estate as well. Another thing, but the price you buy it at and holding it is when you make your money. Uh, the guy who was my Uber in California told me the the house that his father-in-law owns is worth $3 million over there. I, I know that's the case in California, but he paid 30,000 for it. Yep. So, I, I, I will you know, say I that, mean, that, like, that is yeah, property the, is a different thing. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, like that's the, that's the thing with Errol though. He bought, AF 15 for two grand. And then he was able to sell one of them for 30 or all the way. He got up to a hundred thousand dollar AF 15 through very yeah. through time. Right. Right. So the real estate that was like probably 30 years, comics don't really do that, but it's just a holding it right. Not trying to flip right away and yep. being in it long term is what is going to give you return, not real estate return or not stock return, yeah. but close to it. And I, I think that's real quick. That one of my pet peeves is like, because of where like the housing market has gone and i hear people like oh i lost x amount of money in my house it's like you just bought that six months ago like right, right. relax like exactly you can't you cannot evaluate that market on that short term right. for, a, for for a purchase that large and i think it's dangerous for comic books too because comic books and all collectibles they're not quick flips and i think a lot of people think of them that way like you're gonna get this really cheap you're gonna flip it in six months it's gonna go up it's like no, I mean, e like they don't usually go up that much unless there's some serious hype. But even then, again, the margins, when you factor in like shipping or like eBay sale, all that stuff, when you factor in all of this stuff and the time you put into it, you're not actually making that much more money. You need to wait a while. You, it's not like blue chip stocks where you, you buy a whole bunch, you know, and then the, uh, you know, the, the game, the, it's not like the uh, GameStop stuff, you know, where it like flips no. overnight and you sell these comic books. It's just not going to happen. It's a long-term buy is what you're doing. Yeah, and right. it's like you were kind of making on your point earlier about like, I could just kind of build my pot and save to 181, say, right. and not buy these things. Or, I mean, like, kind of a lot of like, because what, what I started buying when I first bought or started collecting was a lot smaller stuff. And it's like, 
you don't need to necessarily flip those for profit. You could just sell them back and essentially make money back and put that essentially back into your pot. And it's kind of the same thing as if you just saved that whole time. Right. Yeah. 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 Like your uh, your signature series that bro haunted you had. I mean, you sold a bunch of them, so you you essentially got your money back for what you spent last year on that. So yeah, you know, it's just the money went someplace. You got short term enjoyment, and luckily you got all of your money back, or damn near close to it, that you can put that back in the pot to get the one eighty one. Because there's a like you said, Mike. I probably spent a lot more on little dumb comics here and there, going to the antique store, finding a stack for a hundred bucks, and like, oh look what I found, and then you're like. I don't want these anymore. Let me sell these and, you know, find something else. And, yeah. and that's, that's what ended up happening. I mean, so the one that gets me, I was just uh, recording last night, uh, a recent, I was at a flea market, indoor flea market, end up with a stack of comic books. I only spent like 71 bucks and I'm like happy. I got great deals on all of these. But then if you actually see, like, look at like what 70 bucks get you, I'm like, well, it's a lot of other books that I've like batted an eyelash at because I'm like, I'm not gonna spend $70 for that. But I right. obviously I'm, but I'm okay buying a bunch of tiny books. Like it's all relative, you know, like it's, it's a weird way of looking at it. I'm trying to get better at sort of, looking at it that way but yeah it's all relative how you how you want to you spend your money but it's something soothing about going through long boxes at an antique store and trying to find oh, yeah. that you know that gem you know, I, whatever that gem is and i, I think I, I mentioned i found the bone comics the other one i had found was detective comics 259 the first calendar man and i just went to a flea market you know near my old hometown the guy's like i found this and he found a new mutants 87 but it was the second print and he thought the new mutants was worth all the money. And I knew that counter man, cause I just saw it on comic Tom or something. Right. And he won a hundred bucks for that. Those two and Alf number one. And my grandfather loved Alf. So I was like, I got to take all three for a hundred bucks. I have Alf number one around here. It's coming up uh, on a, a Monday. You'll see Alf number one in my video coming out. <laughs> That's uh, awesome it'll come out by the time this video comes out. But yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a fun story attached to that one. So you know, my, my grandfather loved, loved it. So I had, to, I had to get it. And, uh, you know, I won't trade that alpha one, but I did end up selling that Detective Comics, and I kind of wish I didn't, but mm -hmm. it was kind of beat up at the time, and like you said, moved it into something else. So, right. Um, but that's the fun of the of the hunt, and I it is. I think once you get that one book, and I asked Errol this about Superman one, he has a point five. I said, "What's your next? Are you good now? Can you just die happy?" And I don't think that's the case when you like the hunt, right? No, no, I mean, you'll find something else. Yeah, you're find like, I want to find that. You know, I want an I want action comics one. Maybe you'll never get it, but at least you're out there looking for it. All right. Yeah, and it's just fun to hunt. It's like fun. you said, like go through the long line and like you need to find nothing. Like there's enjoyment there for me, just like cruising through and just like looking and like I you know, the hunt is like it, JP and I talked about this um Mike earlier. It's like you could be you could have a trust fund and you get five hundred million dollars and you can go buy every comic book you want. That would not be enjoyable. Like, I would be boring. Like, for a little bit, it would be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, yeah. there's just like, you know, we talk about like an ideal budget would be like, you know, if you could just like, for me, for instance, like, it'd be cool if like, I would say like a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Cause then it's like, I still would have to wait to get some of these bigger blue chips that I want. Mm -hmm. But like, I would still be, that would still at that level, I would still have to hunt to an extent of like, I got to find the right FF5. I got to find the right. Right, while you build your pot, and like that is what's enjoyable about it. Plus, then when you do acquire it, it means that much more to you versus like, oh yeah, I exactly. bought that, I bought that. I, bought I mean, that. Like, for me, it's the it's the stories, and I like telling yeah. stories on my channel. Like, yeah, I could buy whatever book I really wanted to. I could just go out there, not any book, obviously. I could if I wanted something, but I much much rather find it 
in the wild, even if it's worst condition, the fact that I say, I know I got this at this flea market, it was seven in the morning, you know, it jumped out to me. Like the story there makes the book mean so much more to me and the fact that you got it cheaper. But it's mostly the story. It's, it's yeah. a tale. You, you attach, you're putting an attachment to that book that's more than just what it is. And you're right. If you were just to go out and buy whatever you wanted, I don't think you have that personal connection to these books. They're just mm-hmm. things you bought money, you paid money for, and it's just not quite the same. And that's sort of, again, it's not just the hunt finding that gem, that hidden diamond. It's also the story of the hunt. It's the story of finding it, that feeling you got when you discovered it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're out there. Actually, Rohan, I have to tell you a quick story. So I was at Brimfield Flea Market last year, um, and it was one where I found oh, that Spider-Man right there for a shocker. But the, the guy that had that, um, as I'm like buying it, almost old Marvel stuff, he had a book face down like at his table and it had a, uh, a price tag in the back of like $1,200, something like that. And so as I'm buying it, he goes, hey, you want to see something cool? I said, sure. He's like, I can't sell it to you. And he flipped it over. It, it was an FF48. And I was like, cool. You know, where did that come from? He's like, well, I actually just sold it to someone. They're getting money and that's why I can't sell it to you. But he's like, the first day of the flea market, some guy came up to me and sold it to me. Uh, I, I bought it off him for 700 bucks and he flipped it for like $1,200. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I go back down to the other end of the flea market and walk back to my car. I'm going through another comic book guy. And he asked me, hey, you know, did you find anything good in there? I'm like, nah, it's pretty well picked through. It's hard to find, like, really good treasures here. He goes, oh, that's not true. He's like, did you hear the fir- uh, some guy on the first day of the flea market found an FF48 for uh, $40 in a box? And then he walked <laughs> down to the guy at the end and sold it for $700. i am like, I think I saw that comic book. Wow, <laughs> so he awesome. found that book in the wild. I mean, it was low grade, probably a three, you know, but he found it in the wild for $40 in a box yeah like i mean I, I, I told you this like because he he has the ability to go out and kind of hunt through these antique shops and things like that obviously the likelihood of finding ff48 for 40 dollars is very low but the it more happens. you do it the more likely right because i mean there are a dozen videos i mean more than a dozen videos on youtube of people finding these gems. like there was a guy um this was not, we talked about it in one of our earlier episodes. Like he has like, Oh, I found these at an estate sale. And he put the pile of comics. Oh, yeah. There was an X-Men one in oh, there. Yeah. There was, and it's just like, the more you do it, the more likely you're going to strike gold. Yeah, right? And it's like, and all it needs is that one moment of striking gold where it's like, it's it. all worth it. And, and knowing that his and her comics, they, they're always getting new comics. They get them from local people. And a lot, of, I hate to say it, but a lot of it is uh widows whose yeah. you know, husbands passed away. You know, we're getting to that age. Now these people collected in the, the sixties, you know, and, the 50s you know they're they're passing away and then they, mm-hmm. these collections come up but same thing like you'd be shocked at, like we, we think of these books as being scarce and rare, and they are because it was disposable entertainment you read it you threw it away but there was a lot of collections out there in someone's basement or attic that have not seen the light of day and hopefully they don't end up in the dumpster but they come out and all of a sudden there's this influx of a whole bunch of new books from the gold and silver age like they're there you just uh we're waiting for them to come to light i mean in general i i find it amazing like the one comic shop i go to around here is the guy's been in business for 33 years and it blows my mind that this business is essentially predicated on people coming to them with these huge collections and selling to them on you know 30 cents on the dollar 25 cents on the dollar and that they've been able to make this business work like i was watching a video with como comic books the other day and he was like right now in the midwest collections are just falling out of the sky Mm -hmm. and it's like it's kind of wild when you hear these things it's like your entire livelihood is based on the fact that you're waiting for someone to just happen to walk into your store and drop a collection. And yet it happens so frequently for these guys. Yeah. It, yeah. And like, you know, they just put ads in the paper or on, on you know, on, on the internet saying, Hey, if you have old comic books, let me know. And like, and I've done similar, you know, I've sent out like anyone local has anything, let me know. I'll buy them. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of these people say, you know, they, they, they say they pay fair, you know, and, uh, and they build a reputation. So it's word of mouth too. It's kind of like, Hey, I sold my comic books, you know, to, uh, to this guy down the street and then their, their friends whose husband died and they do the same thing. So I think it's, yeah, it's a word of mouth, but it is shocking. You're right. The whole thing is predicated on an influx of old collections coming to light. It's amazing that they can, uh, that these stores are profitable. Now, going. well, you said paying a fair price. So what do you consider? Mm. You know, that's the thing. I, well, I'm I happy you brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I was going to bring up one thing to happen on, on your garage sale. But mm-hmm. and before we get to that, um, I I had a couple where I went out looking to buy a whole collection. And these people kept telling me, well, there's Hulk in there. So that's worth, you know, that's worth, oh, yeah. uh, you know, this amount of money. And I don't want the whole collection. I wanted some keys and it didn't work out real well. And I, I don't know what they what they end up doing with the books. But they had bought books everywhere. And there was, in a, you know, the, the small house they were trying to get rid of stuff, I think, and make, make some money, you know, mm-hmm. with too many kids and whatnot. And I don't know what's a fair price. I don't want to, you know, I don't know that you can flip them that easily. So you might say you checked eBay, these people check eBay and they have the listing price and they say, oh, it's listed for 2000. No, check what's sold for. And they don't right. get that. And then you, I went to another house to buy, look at a collection and the woman had them all in these um, uh, uh, clear containers and I said, can you take a couple out so I can look at them before I drive out there? And she's like, no, they're already packed up. So I drove like an hour and a half, went out mm-hmm. there. There was nothing except right. three books. And I said, I'll give you X for the three books because I drove out here. And she was like, OK, I got a, I got a message before I even got back that she goes, you ripped me off. That one book was worth a hundred some dollars. I said, that's somebody came after me and said, I would have bought that for a hundred. Right. I said, lady, that was that's the that's. You know, he could say that all he wants, but what is it on eBay for? And, you know, we talked a little bit and she was okay with it. But I'm like, man, it's I don't like doing that, you know. And again, it's not that's not your response as far as I feel like that's not your like she has the Internet just like you have the Internet. Like she could do all the research she wants. She's looking to turn it off or move it quick. Like if she right. and, and I feel like and I spent time with her and I said, those books aren't worth anything. I said, what you have toy wise is what you should sell. I said, that's worth the money. And I told her and I gave her numbers for people to call. And I said, this is where you'll make your money. And I was and legitimately, that's the way she would make money. But she was pissed about one little book, whereas the information I gave was worth what she didn't get for that book that had it been in great condition. It wasn't. But I mean, it wasn't in great condition. She might have got more for it. But you had your situation. You guy guy was going to go ahead. You can tell it because I said mentioned yeah. earlier. About the uh, I mean, mo- usually my experience is similar to yours. I mean, people don't really know what they're looking at. They just look it up on eBay and they just see what someone's asking for. it. It's like I've seen even people say like, oh, look, this book is worth five hundred dollars. I'm like, yeah, graded in a nine point eight. And that's right. <laughs> ripped in half. Like, it's not the same thing. And people don't understand the condition. That's far more prevalent. Uh, my general philosophy is to always be honest. And even though it doesn't always work out for me, I just treat people like I want to be treated. And um, so like, I just do it very nicely. I've met way more people who are like, these are worth way more than, than they are. And I'm just very nice. I'm like, hey, I'll just let you know, I'm not going to buy these. I'm not interested, but I think you're asking too much for the next person. You might do a better job. I usually do that once I already say, don't worry, I'm not trying to rip you off. I'm walking away, but I just want to educate you. I've done it usually, honestly, if you're just really kind and nice, like they, they understand. But yeah, there's been several instances in my life where not just comic books, other antiques where I've come across something. The person's like, yeah, yeah, 10 cents each or whatever. And I just looked at them and they're like, no. And that was what happened. So that garage sale, this guy had tons of comic books. The first time I went, I ended up with like, I don't know, a stack of like 50 of them. And I had a whole bunch of good stuff in there. You know, like the Secret Wars 8 was right on top. I had, you know, first Mr. Sinister in there, a good Star Wars book. And um, I'm like, I had no idea what he wanted, like what this guy was going to ask. He clearly knew about comic books. 
And uh, I said, how much for these? And he's like, how about 50 cents each, 25 bucks? And I just looked at him and said, no way. <laughs> I, said, I said, this book right here is worth, you know, at least $100. Um, and he was shocked. And he didn't really even understand why. I had to explain, like, why. Like, he's like, it's just Spider-Man in a black suit. I'm like, I, but it's the first one. <laughs> like, that's where he got. I had to explain what it was. And he was shocked. And that's why I said, you know, I'm going to pay you more for it. I'm giving him 100 bucks for that. Uh, and then I ended up paying him, uh, like, another, like, 40 bucks, I think, uh, later on the day. And just for a small side of comics. And he was so blown away by my honesty that was why he called me back and he had me come back to look at the rest of the collection. And he, he asked me like, you want to buy them all right now? I said, no, sell them at your yard sale, see what you can get for them. Whatever you have left, I'll buy from you. So that's why he called me. And that's why I had a really good rapport with the guy. He trusted me. And then when we looked at all those books, you know, he, uh, you know, ended up settling on five cents a comic book, which was insane. I even told him like, that's crazy. And he's like, no, I want you and your son to enjoy them. You seem like you really like the comic books. And when I got home, I went through them and it wasn't 400 comic books like we thought. They ended up being almost 800. So when I'm counting them, I got to like 600. I called the guy. I'm like, I owe you more money. Like, there's way more here. And he goes, nope. He's like, you were, you were really honest with me and I want you to enjoy them. I know you will enjoy them and I want you to have them. That is the power of being honest. You know, it doesn't always work out. I, yeah, I could have absolutely bought that, you know, Secret Wars 8 for 25 cents or 50 cents is what I could have got it for. But I paid the guy 100 and it worked out for me because I got more books because of it. So, You're a better man than me, Mike. No, I mean, like, yes. it, doesn't, it doesn't mean, like, don't get a deal. Don't be like, you know, don't yes. accept anything less than this. But, you know, I mean, I still got a great deal. I honestly, like, obviously, the stack of comic books I got was probably worth several hundred dollars, not 100 bucks. But he understood that. You know, I said, you know, and I explained condition and things like that. So... It worked out for me in that situation, but I feel better personally at the end of the day, knowing I didn't like, you know, rip somebody out. Especially, you can kind of if, honestly, if, like if the person's a jerk, fine. Like I have a policy not to buy from jerks, but if you can kind of get a good deal off a jerk, I'm usually okay with that. But if it's like a nice part, like this is a guy who was just trying to clear out his garage, you know, the older guy trying to get to retirement, I'm not going to do that. You know, he lived right down the street from me, and I'm, I oh, built okay. up a great rapport. And he said at some point he's going to sell the rest of his collection. He's going to give me a call, so maybe it'll pay off. So yeah, that's my philosophy. Go. Again, it's not the best way to turn and flip things, but that's why I, I'm a collector. I'm not a seller. No, and I think that's a great story because the one I mentioned about driving out and, and you know, she wasn't happy with that. I felt when I left there, that was a fair price, and the information I gave was worth what that my time, right. what she could have met. Yeah. But she'd have been happier if I'd have given. I mean, I could have. I just lowballed the offer, and that's what she she gave, and and I didn't know what I could get for it. So I guess there's a difference between. I, I like what you did, Mike. I think that's the better way to be. And uh, you know, some I of us say, getting. I, I will say, JP, in your situation, I think a point Mike brought up is that a lot of people have the woman's shoes that you said doesn't understand like grade or quality. So right. it's like you saw the book, you negotiated a price with her that you felt was fair based on what you saw, right? The next guy that comes, like, let's just use that FF48, for example, right? She's like, oh, I just sold this guy a FF48. And the guy's like, I want to pay $1,200 for that. And it's right. like, the guy, for all you know, that FF48 yeah. didn't see it. It could have been, like, completely and, beat. And when you put something in front of somebody, they never yeah. pull the trigger that big. He probably would have done the same thing as you and, and undercut it. I mean, I think what I think a good philosophy is, you, I explain what it's worth. Like, I think these are worth this, or this is what you could get if you went to a comic book store. I'll pay you this. Like, clearly, I will pay you less than what they're worth, but I'm being honest with what they are. That usually is enough to satiate people, especially if they know, like, you go to the comic book store down the street, they'll pay you 25 cents each. At least you're saying, I, I will get you more. So that's sort of my philosophy. Just to be honest, even if you're not going to yeah, think in general, people appreciate that and are more likely to work with you. Yeah. And I, the, the next, the first one I had was a big collection. You know, I went through and I pulled out all the keys for them. And I was like, these are the ones I want. 
and they wouldn't sell them to me because they thought I was ripping them off. And then they had all the keys set aside mm-hmm. to sell to the next person. I was like, I just did all the work for them and they didn't give <laughs> yeah, me anything. There's, I, you know, I, so I, it goes both ways. That happened to me first. And I met the woman. I thought I was fair, but I, I think you get further in the world when you do what Mike does. Yeah. Well, you this always want to be like Mike, right? Like this isn't a few times where I've told someone what they have. Like, you know, like, hey, listen, this is actually worth more than what it is. So I'd like to buy for this. Like, well, no, I was, I'm going to, then I'm going to charge more. I'm like, yeah. but you're only doing that because I told you. Like, I didn't right. have to tell you. I'm being honest, like, to hope that we can meet a middle ground. Like, nope, then I'm not selling it. And they put it away. Like, yeah, that's yeah. happened to me on some antiques before because they just didn't know what they had. I was being honest, you know. And there's been cases where I chose not to buy something. You know, I saw it really good deal and i just couldn't do it it was worth too much money i said hey i i'm not buying it i gotta tell you you should take this off the table right now and put it in the back because you, what you have here is worth like a thousand bucks i'm not going to do that to you but i don't want anyone else to do it to you either you know if the person seems nice i've done that too where i'm not buying it but i'm going to be honest and help you out because i think I also too, the, the situation like like you said the guy that you got this for like he's an older guy he's it's not like a store right he's no. an older guy looking to just you know add somebody's retired pot or something like that that's one thing like JP, you and I have talked about this before, like, but you go to a store, right? Stores got overhead and it's got their margins they were. So they've priced everything to like make their business work. And in those situations, I don't think you should feel as bad because, like you said, if they have it marked for $40, they're okay with that price and it meets their needs for their you know business yeah. or whatever. Store, stores are different too. Yeah. I mean, I've come across comic books that, based on the condition, I knew they had it too low. Uh, that Nova, you can't see it with the glare. I have a Nova number one. I got it at a, a comic store, 75 bucks. Looking at it, I'm like, this is like a 9.6. It should be worth more than this. Got it, had a grade, it's a 9.6, worth a lot more. Yeah, I put the work in to get it pressed and sent in, but I knew that they, they were a little low on that. But it, they still made 75 bucks off me. It's not like, you know, right. like they definitely priced out how they thought it was fair. And, you know, again, the margins are small and things like that. So yeah. you never know. But stores are, are a little bit different. Uh, yeah. But it's a little mom and pop thing, like an antique place. Ugh, I'd think twice about it. So, so Mike, actually, that reminds me just so you made that comment. Something I wanted to ask you. So from watching your channel, you prefer raw. Yes. yes. Right. But you also talk about how you do get a lot of your books pressed at the Comic Spy, I think it's called. Yep. So great name. You, great name you, for it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it is, it is a great name. It's for, cool. Yeah. For, um, so you do that because you still want the book to look as good as possible, right? You're not like potentially going to send those off. Right. Go. Yeah. That's actually a, a cool thing to bring up. So like the guy at comic spot, Jeff, he's a great guy. We, you know, through the, our comic book connections, you know, we, we met, but now we, you know, we're friends. We, I was talking to him last night. We were texting each other. He's a great guy. And what he is, he's a, he's an older guy. He's a really good perspective on collecting. And his argument always is like, you know, when you do clean and press these books, even if you're not going to grade them, you're preserving them forever. If it's a personal collection thing, like what you do to that book isn't going to go away. I mean, it's going to stay in that condition forever. And if you sell it 20 years from now, it's still clean and pressed, you know? So unless you're going to be reading it and flipping through it, of course. So, um, so that's sort of my philosophy. I've had him clean and press books that were stained or like, you know, there was a, a ro- spine roll, you know, he just takes it out. I'm not going to, I don't need to grade it. I know I could, but it's the idea that this book has now been improved. And in some cases preserved. Now he doesn't do like restorative stuff type stuff. But a lot of stuff he'll, he'll do is he'll get rid of that dirt so it's less likely to stain. He'll get rid of that water damage if he puts it through the aqueous bath. He's doing things that preserve the book, takes the acid out. There's certain things you can do that make that book last longer. So it's a part of the, the whole aspect of it. It just makes the book better. You don't have to grade it to have it pressed. So it looks nice in your own collection, you know? Yeah. And you like to read them because you're big on the stories and the art, correct? I, I do. I do. I'd rather, I mean, I'd rather read a trade paperback now. It's easier. It's more digestible for me, you know. Um, but I do read my older comic books, I, you know, especially the ones that are worth money. I'll, like, lay them out, like, some boards, you know, and 
very carefully like turn the pages and kind of read <laughs> so i don't I'll break the spine what, yeah what's nice is like you can now read every comic book online like i when i got yeah. my gsx one even though it's still raw i was like i'm not gonna like open this up and who knows what right. could happen my kid yeah. will spill juice on it right right and so I was like i got it i was like but i want to read this but so i like just pulled up i just i just literally typed in read giant size x-men one right boom, popped and, up and i read it and i read in the same way it's just the idea that, like i could open that book especially like if i'm talking to my son or like a friend i'm like hey this is the first appearance of a character they're not on the cover and you would never know but you have to look, open the book so like when it's hulk 180 it, it's the first appearance of wolverine but like if you put that book in a slab no, it's not. It's not the first appearance of Wolverine. You yeah. can never look at it. You just have to know it's there. First appearance of Mystique in Ms. Marvel number 18. Like, things like that. I like to actually have the book to open it. But if it's a book where the character's on the cover in their first appearance, I think it's sort of okay. Actually, I'm going to give you guys a spoiler for a video coming out soon. Uh, if you guys have time for it, I got this uh, yesterday. Oh, nice. Oh, Electra. Nice. So uh, She's right there on the cover. So, I mean, I got a really, really good deal on that. I'll explain it in my, in my channel. It sort of, again, fell into my lap. But, um, Again, I've always wanted this book. I love the Frank Miller Daredevil run. I've needed this book for a while. Wanted it raw, but I'm kind of okay with it because I have the trade paperback of the entire run and Electra's right there on the cover. I can show this to someone and be like, this is the first appearance of Electra literally when you first look at this cover. So I'm okay with something like this. I don't have many of them, but there are some cases where I just like the aspect or I like how it looks. So Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't read the stories and I, and, you know, I don't read much of anything. It's all internet reading and whatnot, but... Uh, I prefer, I just prefer the covers. And so, you know, I've been, mine are all mounted up on, on my, in my room here and I can appreciate the art because that's what got me into collecting was art, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee. And I'm trying to read them. I have Dark Knight, the Frank Miller run. I have two trade paperbacks. I found it in. Yeah. I have the two um, trade paperbacks that I found at antique stores. I'm gonna. I, I can't read it. It's right next to my bed. I just. <laughs> I can't read it. There's no time. I think you're I just not asleep. a big reader, JP. Is really what I, it comes. I'm just out not. Here. I'm not. I, I just can't do it. It just bores me. I'd much rather look at the pictures, and uh, try to copy what McFarlane drew and whatnot. But nice. I hear your show, and I'm like, man, I wish I could read them because you know all the stories, all the back characters. I know them just from Key Collector, and that's right. the app I use to 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 shop. You know, when I'm out in the antiques, but. I don't really know all the ins and outs, you know. I, I know a lot of them from the cards, actually. Not, it's yeah. not just, like, the X-Men characters, I've, I've read all the X-Men and Spider-Man books ever. You know, I've read tons of them. But, like, a lot of the car characters, I only know because I have, like, four or five cards of that character. And, like, Dude, that's I, I, one I'm exactly it. with you. JP, real quick, I was going to say, maybe Mike and I can trade you for some of your big books, and we'll just get you some, like, pop-up books or something. <laughs> Ooh, nice. I have one right here. It's a touch-and-feel <laughs> Superman book. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is, well, this is more my style reading right here. There you go. Big nice. pages or big big print, but um, no, I, I did like those cards. I have them somewhere, but and that's how I knew the power levels of different people, like mm -hmm. who could beat who and all that kind of stuff. And I like the uh, speed was my favorite. Seven meant light speed, and I've always thought that was the coolest right. thing in the world because only the cosmic guys could do that. Exactly. Very, very few, but DC didn't do that, so that was what they missed on their cards. The, the other thing I liked too, long before I knew like what a key was, you know, especially you know, like on the back of all those cards, it'll be like their first appearance. Yeah. But, uh, specifically, remember Marvel masterpieces? Those cards, they were really yeah. cool. Um, on the back of them, not only do they say the first appearance, there'll be like a picture of that character from their first appearance. So, like when you look at Venom, it shows number two ninety nine in that last panel where he's there. So, when I was younger, I would always try to collect again before I knew they'd be worth money. Just collect the first appearance of a character because it said on the card, "Oh, hey, I have that." 
but I still do that now, even though I know they're they're worth money. But the killer is like I'll find cards, I'll find characters that are completely obscure that nobody cares about. Uh, for instance, the other day I found the slug. He's a big, really big, fat like crime lord. I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, that Captain America fought. Oh, wait, uh, but I, I know that guy. you have. He's I in have series a, three. Series three, yeah, the big fat guy with the white hair. Yes, I found the first appearance of him. It's worth got it for nothing. I got it for three dollars, but I had to have it because in my Marvel cards. It's the first appearance of one of those characters, so I had to grab it, even though it's worth. I like I, I like a lot. I like I like taking a comic book and then putting a card related to it, and it's really cool because <laughs> you remember the series one that. has that the the selection there is like the MVC most valuable comics, right? So I've collected a couple of those, and it's like cool to like take a picture of the card with the comic book with it. It's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, I do the exact same thing. Yeah, they they, they made a quite an impression on me. Those cards, uh, you know, I think Marvel came up with those to to market them, and it certainly worked for I think a generation of uh, kids our age. Yeah, and like I, you said, like you could, on the back of the card, you could get Spider Man's entire eighty year history. Oh yeah, in right. a couple of paragraphs versus like, well, I've read one to three hundred ASF. It's like, no, you just get the you get the basics right here. Right, get the cliff you know, notes is what you yeah, right. Yeah. It, it wets your appetite. There were a lot of characters I'd read, and be like, oh, that sounds awesome. I'm gonna check it yeah. out. Like Daredevil. Like I love Daredevil now, but. I didn't know who Daredevil was till I got those cards, and I'm like, "Oh, he looks wicked cool. He's awesome. I need to the start cards, reading Daredevil." The yeah. cards definitely help because every you know everyone being there, you didn't read every comic, but you can go through the cards and if the character looked cool. But then again, as who drew him, him or her, right? Art Adams, Jim Lee, um, McFarlane, they drew them. They were cool. But if right. Ron Lim was good, I mean Mike Zach, but there's a couple that just were playing out terrible that. I, you know, right. I, I wouldn't collect. Mike, do you have, since you're an X-Men fan, so we talk about the Marvel Series 1, Series 2, and Series 3. There was like, an, they called it like X-Men cards. It was, I have the entire Series 1. It's They have 100 mm -hmm. cards in them, and it's only just mutant related. Got and him. it was Jim Lee did the art on most of those cards. Yep. They're all blue, right? They're blue. Yeah, the blue border. Blue and I pink, got it. Yeah. Those are not in, oh, the blue and pink ones? or yeah, the, uh, the blue and pink ones. So the blue and pink ones, I do not own. However... My son got them as a door gift at a Comic Con. He had a choice of stuff. I'm like, pick those. Oh, Absolutely yeah, pick yeah. those. So I don't actually have those. I have some of them, but he actually has the blue and pink border ones. I have the other X Men series that came out. I think Fleer or Ultra came out with them, um, where there's like artists, all different artists. And those are a little bit more artistic. They're like foil names. Um, I have those too. But yeah, not my son has them, not me. What's funny? So I have, I have the entire series one, series two, series three, and the X Men series one. And you know, they always come with a checklist. Yes. And so when I went through them recently, and I pulled them out of my parents' garage now, like a year ago, I was like, because like well, the series one was obviously the first one we collected because I was the first one, and we like legitimately checked off oh, the yeah. checklist mm -hmm. card. I was like looking at it, I was like, damn it, <laughs> like why did we check off that checklist card? Yeah. Same Luckily, way. I had a couple. I had a couple. Yeah. You always get a couple checklists. So like you had one that I marked off, and then I had the one that I actually had in the book. You know, one of these that... days I gotta go because like eBay you could buy like individual cards, and so I need to buy that checklist series one. Just and I, it's like a dollar on eBay. I recently yeah. um I was missing a couple from three. I don't know what happened to them. I was only missing like four, but I just got them on eBay, and they were like they were like fifty cents each. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. actually when it. I pulled out those collections, I needed um on two of them. I think it was like series two and series three. We had them. We, I don't know what happened to them. The holograms. Yes. And I found those on eBay, and I actually got those cheap. And they're like, like I know, like my cards; those legitimately sat in a box for thirty years. Like right. those are not like you know you can get a PSA graded. Like they're not anywhere. They're not even no. eight. A lot of right. Them. But some of those I, holograms, like I have, a, I, if I was to send those, I don't plan to because like grading a card is not cheap. Right. Uh, but like I feel like a few of my holograms are definitely tens. Wow. I, I mean, I don't even have all the holograms. That's the one, you know black hole in my cards i don't have all the holograms or all the all the chase cards so someday yep someday i'll have to fill those in for the, the completionist in me will have to yeah that's that's 
that's the fun part about eBay and the internet. You can find most of that stuff, but uh, it's not as much fun as story-wise yeah. as you were talking earlier about when you find them in the wild or whatnot. But again, it completes what you're trying to do, whether you want that key book or that finish that set. The internet, eBay has its purpose or, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, there's, so. there's the through line, too. Like, you know, the cards from when I was a kid. I saw a card, a character I liked, and sort of that starts a collecting journey. And then you have an endgame, maybe with a book that's attached to that. Uh, I think that's just cool to kind of draw that line between childhood and adulthood. Because that's really, guys, that's honestly what we're doing. We're just reliving our childhood. The things that we think are cool, that's what all nerds are. Absolute gamer nerds. You know, like, you guys understand this nerdy stuff that, honestly, I was made fun of when I was a kid. And now being a nerd is, like, the coolest thing ever, right? I'm um, still you, being made fun of. I don't know if about oh, you really? <laughs> my, my wife, my kids, everybody. I mean, <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say two things about this, right? And, and we kind of touched on that. I brought this up in our episode with Lawrence that we did last week. Everyone spends money on something, right? right. And it could be, like I said, like I've after that story about like the guy that asked me how I paid for traveling, and I was like, I don't have guns and knives like you right. spend money on, right? Or I have people that have, you know, like your friend that keeps all his cars and he's just renting a garage in Pittsburgh to keep him. And like we all have things, whether or not we want to say it or not, we all have things that we spend money on. Ours happens to be comic books, and so people can make fun of us for it, and that's right. fine. But like. It is what it is. Like, we all have our thing. And, like, I find it for me, like, all three of us here, JB's got four kids. Mike, you said you got two kids. I got three kids. Like, what I've loved about it is, like, it's my thing that I can escape away into Mm -hmm. that has, like, really kept me. You know, it's like we all need some things for ourselves that keep us sane. And and comic books has become that for me. Exactly. And uh, yeah, yeah. as someone with a million hobbies, I can tell you that, you know, maybe part of my YouTube channel was a little bit of a – just to – keep my mind occupied i didn't think it'd be this much work but uh um that's sort of where i'm at you're right i mean it, it makes me a kid again it makes it, it, yeah. it, i enjoy doing it with my son but i feel like a kid whenever i'm doing this um and i'm gonna keep doing it because uh, i think we all need a little bit of that especially in this day and age right yeah yeah um, so after what we all went through mike one of my final questions for you is like what is your long-term like you have your son jack i think his name is in your videos mm-hmm. often Yes. Is the is the end goal to hopefully like build an awesome collection, pass it down to him as kind of like a legacy thing, or is it to like just sell it all at the end and go on vacation with the wife? Or oh man, I get that question uh, from my wife every day. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, like I think the original intent, like again with all my collectibles, a lot of the stuff will, I'll pass on to my kids. But you know, a part of it is I want them to be their own person. You know, the funny thing about my son is he loves the comic book characters. You know, he likes all the stuff, but he, I think he's far more into like Pokemon cards, uh, Yu Gi Oh. Like he definitely likes that more. Um, and he goes back and forth in comic books, honestly. You know, he, he you see there, he was having a good time showing, showing what I got. Uh, but yeah, I want them to be their own person. So I'm not going to presume that, like, here, enjoy these, do what your dad likes, you know, knock yourself out. Yeah, maybe we'll have some worth money I'll leave to my kids. But yeah, um, I don't know. You ask me again in, in 10 years, they might very well become a time I'm trying to pay for college or, hey, yeah, maybe I'll sell a whole bunch and we'll go on vacation. That's what my wife wants me to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I don't know yet. I don't have a good answer for that. I just want my kids, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to force it on my kids. They, they can like whatever they like. Now, when it comes to your YouTube channel, any goals for that before we end up here? Is there anything? No, you wanna... I have zero goals for it. So uh, again, like I started it for fun. Um, it's sort of uh, been become a much part, bigger part of my life than I thought it would be. Um, you know, I, like everyone always says, they want to grow the channel. I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with how fast it's growing. Um, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. I just, I just, my hope is that I just keep bringing interesting content. I mean, there's always a drop off on YouTube channels. People might just get tired of hearing me talk or the same shtick of going through, you know, boxes at a flea market. I don't necessarily think so. People love the, the, the hunt of it. Like you said earlier, you're just like watching people hunting for things. I've gotten comments from people on actually on the West coast. Some guy out in Oregon said, uh, he was handicapped. And he never goes to flea markets anymore. He could just watch me look for things. Like he just, oh. it makes him remember doing it. Like there's, there's stuff like that, which actually like kind of tugs my heartstrings. 
or there's people who like watching me with my son because it reminds them of th- being with their child and liking comic books and their child's grown up now and they don't have that experience, but they kind of live vicariously through me. So that kind of keeps me going. I want to just keep putting out stuff that makes me happy as long as people keep enjoying it. I don't really have any uh, uh, delusions of growing it much bigger. Like who knows what, where it'll go. Maybe I'll get, let me travel around the country, go to some more comic cons, but yeah, in general, no, we'll see where it takes me. I just, I'm um, having fun. I'll, I have no expectations. I'm just going with it. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, like, as we talked about earlier, like, I think that's one of the things I enjoy about your channel. It's just like, it's just comic books. Like, we're just talking about it, right? And like, that's what JP and I kind of like, why we wanted to do our own thing was just like, everyone's got kind of their shtick or whatever, which is great. Everyone does a great job with it. But like, I just sometimes just want to talk about comic books. And, right. and for us, like, like, he and I will talk like, oh, do you see how many views we got yet? And it's like, at the end of the day, like, we could have no views, but like, I enjoy this time he and I get together each week and record oh, something because yeah. like, super fun and it's like as long as it's fun which it is i imagine being for a while like i i you know i want to do yeah. it i mean my favorite part is that i don't care how many people watch it i love the comments like i actually love because i don't have many people i ch- talk shop with about comic books like you guys so for right. me like i scratch that itch in the comment section i'll ask people hey what's your favorite character and like you get some really deep takes and i love it like or what's your favorite comic book and it scratches that itch and that's my favorite aspect of it so for me this is like one big social experiment this is just me hanging out with a whole bunch of people on the internet talking about comic books uh and i want to keep facilitating that i guess yeah i mean it's it's a good way to meet a diverse group of people i mean i I go to an auction every week i see all kind of people there that i probably wouldn't you know see outside of that auction and i can kibitz as they say with them talk back and forth you got people commenting i'd love to see more of that on our, our channel um, I've commented on your channel a few times and you've responded back really quick. <laughs> there are other people yeah, that don't it, yeah. <laughs> and other people that don't. It's like, I'm like, can't even get back to me on that. I'm like, yeah. what a snob, my, you know? <laughs> my, my wife's always like, are you going to answer every single one of those? I'm like, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm as like, I, I really, can, yeah. as much as I can. I really, I honestly really do enjoy it. Um, you know, and I think one, one of the thing I'll leave you guys with, you know, people always ask me, and actually I did a Q and a recently. I ended up cutting this question, my answer, cause it was too long. But the question was like, how do you start a YouTube channel? Like it is, you know, the technical aspect, what you actually need. And then there's a lot of the personal aspect. And there's a lot there. I don't have the magic recipe, but all I can say is all I'm doing is being genuine. Like this is who I am. Like there's nothing, there's no pretense there. I think that's refreshing in this day and age. This people go on the internet and pretend to be something they're not. And when people just like watching someone just being themselves and just talking about what they love, it's refreshing to people. And I feel like that's just a philosophy. Like all of us, you guys seem like very natural guys to talk to that is refreshing for people. And you will have success if you're just yourself. And I, I, that's what people strive for. That's what people want. They want that yeah, connection. It's, it's crazy. What do you think about like, when I talk to like, especially like with younger folk, I'm like, you know, what do you want to be? And they're like, I want to be a, a social media influencer. Right. Like, so do we. I know. It's, like, it's funny. Like I, I've told you the story, JP, like I think it's wild. Like I've gone on vacation or traveling somewhere and you're at some place. It's some, you know, cool picture shot place. And it's like, you'll go there and you'll see like this, like 14 year old kid having his mom take 60 photos to make sure they're in the right angle uh, for their Instagram page that I'm like, this is not childhood no. guys. Like this is crazy. And I want to be clear while you have the picture up, like I hate the YouTuber thumbnail stuff. I hate the surprise faces. I hate oh. it. I hate it to death, but it does work one and two. That's actually a natural picture. And my wife took it. So I felt okay with it, but you know, stuff like that drives me crazy. It's part of playing the game. But in general, I agree with you. Like how many times do you take a picture to get the right, impact yeah. just be yourself just smile just smile at the right. camera <laughs> and, and that like you said that's what the success of your show is because you're real you're a good guy i i, I like the story of you know the 800 comics is great you know we all should strive to be more like that and you know got your son involved 
as much as he wants. And that's just, it's a good family friendly YouTube I can put on and not worry about anything. My kids in the background going, Oh my God, what's dad listening to? No, that's I just try. A, it's, a, it's a cool show. And, and I, I do enjoy it. I know you have plenty of subscribers. Um, we just, we just wanted to talk to you cause we enjoy, you know, what you do and, and get the time to, to talk with you. But hopefully as people see us, you'll grow your channel and, and yeah. uh, keep doing I'll, what you like I'll doing. I'll definitely and, give you guys a plug uh, on the YouTube channel. Uh, you guys have a great show. I've watched a couple episodes when you reached out to me, and I really like your content, guys. Uh, again, yeah. I love I love talking shop. It's just it's fun to listen to a whole bunch of people talking about comic books and stuff I love. So I really appreciate yeah. you guys having me on. It's uh, really special. Thank you. Yeah, and, yeah, we, no, and I, JP and I say this at the end of every episode. Like, for anyone watching, like, we love to talk this stuff. You guys want to <laughs> talk with us? Hit us up. Yeah. We, we are always down. Yeah, yeah. I'll come back again sometime. Let me know if you guys are yeah. in six months, a year or so. If you guys, uh, you oh, know, we'd love to have you yeah. again. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Everyone have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you on the flip side. Take care. Later. Take care.